Solwate Discipoli, and welcome again to another episode of Latin in Layman's, where I'm going to go ahead and dive on a little bit back. Uh, as I noted earlier, I kind of skipped over the indirect statement because I was still working on fleshing on how to do that really well and bring it to you in a layman's-like manner. So, that's what I did. And now we're going to go back and we're going to go over the indirect statement. This is going to be a little bit of a longer one, but stick with me. Uh, all's good. And uh, we'll have a great time. So here, before we begin, there are three important rules to remember in this chapter. As per the usual, I'd like to give you a little notes before we dive fully into the lesson. So number one, the formula for the indirect statement in Latin is a verb of the head plus an accusative subject plus an infinitive verb. You know how I like my formulas? I'll go into that a little bit further uh, later on. So that may make uh, no sense to you now. Fly is right over your head. But by the end of this chapter, I hope that you can go back to these points and they make a lot more sense. Number two, there is no that in Latin, at least not in the sense of uh, say slash think that something, you know? But uh, in, uh, in English, there is. And uh, the third point that I have is infinitive show relative time. There we go again with that term, relative time, as opposed to absolute time. Okie doke. So the reason this lesson is tough, uh, conceptually speaking, is because English and Latin idioms differ so much here. So much so that you're going to have to build a deep understanding of how grammar works to move successfully between our modern and the Roman manner of expressing this type of construction. <clears throat> it is a, um, it's a little bit difficult at first, uh, but um, after you really think about it uh, logically and kind of understand exactly what's going on in the sentence and ask yourself, those simple questions, um, I think you just kind of start to, it starts to make sense. It starts to, I don't, yeah, it's just kind of like language. It's something that I'm going to go into now because I'm just rambling. So we learned the principle of relative versus absolute time. So I'm going to go back to that. When we studied participles in, uh, I think it's Wheelock's chapter 13. I think that was like lesson 25 or 26. <clears throat> now, I'm sorry I'm so phlegmy. It's the, um, so many fires are going on in the West. It's pulling a bunch of smoke that's just kind of lingering over New Mexico right now. And it's making me all congested and stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry. So, uh, as we mentioned prior in the participle, participle chapter, we're going to now put that theory into practice of relative versus absolute time. So, before we begin, let's start with a chart, uh, much like the one we used for participles, right? Um, if you remember, we kind of charted it out as the present and then the passive, or the active and the passive, and then um, the present the perfect, and then the future, right? So, um, so we're going to begin with the present active form here that you 
you've known almost uh, since day one. So <clears throat> uh, the the infinitive endings for A-R-E, E-R-E, and E-R-E, and E-R-E. So laudare. Um, I'm sorry. I feel like I totally skipped over something. So, all right, we're going to begin with the chart, much like the ones we use with participles, but we're going to we're going to insert the proper forms of the Latin infinitive. There we go. That's what I meant to say. Okay, so this is a chart of um, charting out the Latin infinitives here. So we're going to start with the pre present active, and that's the one that we know. Okay, there we go. Now I'm back on track. Mind set and sh straight. So the infinitive is what we've already encountered so far. So laudare, um, optare, you remember the A-R-E, the E-R-E, depending on the conjugation, if it's first, second, third, fourth, and third I-O. So, uh, so yeah, like an example, laudare would literally translate as to praise. Now, to make that type of infinitive passive, Latin changes the ending, mostly by adding a long I quality, which results in an A-R-I, right? An ari, an airy, an e, and an eerie across the four and a half conjugations. And the only real caveat here is that the third conjugation, I, pre present passive infinitive, ending is so minimal and Latin in the same way that it's sometimes hard to recognize that it means to be whatever, as do all the present passive infinitives. Thus, for example, if we think about it, laudari instead of laudare um, is going to mean to be praised rather than to praise, right? Remember, our formula usually to make a verb passive is we're going to insert that form of the verb to be uh, in that uh, active form, and that's what makes it passive, right? Because then that to be praised is going to be expecting an agent of some sort, right? To be praised by someone, okay? It's not going to be expecting a direct object anymore. It's going to be expecting either a dative or an ablative of agent. You remember those. Now the fun begins with perfect active infinitive form by taking the perfect active base, what you get when you drop the first person singular I ending from the third principal part and add ise. So in fact, this is the only new form introduced in this lesson. So I'll go ahead and spell that out for you. So that principal part ending, ise, when we add it to ise rather, and it spells that I-S-S-E. So I just wanted to give you a little context there if you're just relying on my voice. To understand. So it translates as to have whatever. So if we go with laudo, laudare, for instance, we would do laudawise, which would be L-A-U-D-A-V-I-S-S-E, laudawise, to have praised. Its passive counterpart, the perfect passive infinitive, is formed by taking the perfect passive particle, participle and adding essay, right? The infinitive form of of the verb to be, sum and essay. Sum is I am, the infinitive of I am is to be. So it's not an ending, but in fact, a separate word entirely, just like all perfect passive forms in Latin that we've encountered thus far. This will make up, um, or this will be rather made up of two words, this construction. 
Okay, so for example, it's going to mean to have been whatever rather than to have whatever. So to have been whatever, as in laudatum essay, right? So laudatum, we're going to go to the fourth principle part, laudo, laudare, laudawi, laudatum. All right, and so that's going to be translated as to have been praised. So moving to the last two infinitives, both future tense forms, the future active infinitive is made up of the future active participle. That weird are you, or rather you are you s ending, right? The, the urus plus sa. So again, it's going to make up two words like the perfect passive infinitive. It has those two words and is going to be translated as to be, which is essay, of course, about to or going to whatever the participle means. It's very convoluted. But I'll give you an example. So let's do laudaturum essay would be to be about praise, to be about praise or to be going to praise, which is about as paraphrastic as it comes in my modest opinion. So the big thing to remember here is that both the future active and the perfect passive infinitives include two words, one of which is a participle. And since participles are adjectives, they'll change their endings, U.S., A, and um. Remember, second declension endings to accommodate whatever they modify. And the final form that caps out this chart is the future passive infinitive, which, take, which takes on the formation of the perfect passive participle, which is the fourth principal part of the verb, and adds I-R-E, eerie, a separate word, rendering a form that translates literally as to be about to be whatever. To be about to be whatever, or to be going to be whatever, as in laudatum iri which would translate as uh, um, to be about to be praised. To be about to be praised. Whoa, that's a heinous thing, but it's grammatically correct. Um, the good news, though, is that you don't have to learn this form. It occurs so rarely it's not worth memorizing. Thank God. I can only assume Wheelock actually includes this just to f simply um, fill out the chart. So what again? So we're back. Okay, so why do we need all these infinitives and all these voices and tenses? Well, remember Latin is pragmatic, right? And therefore Latin needs them for indirect statement, which is another subordinate subject uh, construction, a subordinate construction like ablative absolutes you remember those but even more ubiquitous in latin by integrating the word statement the name of this construction that it incorporates a thought indirectly if you will by that it means it conveys only the broad nature of the thought not the exact words that were originally used to express it does that make sense on the other hand a direct statement quotes someone's words directly in other words not in other words. Ha. For example, he said, I'm hungry. So I, I'm hungry were his exact words that he said. That's a direct quote. 
aka direct statement. An indirect statement expresses the same idea, but doesn't use the actual words in which it was or originally stated. So instead, it reframes, reframes the thought in different words. <clears throat> Sounds like a lie, maybe. It's not, but it's an indirect statement. And it could, could be a lie. But for example, let's say that he wanted to eat. So wanting to eat is the same thing as being hungry. But I want to eat were not his exact words. In fact, I'm hungry were his exact words. So that he wanted to eat has to equal our indirect statement in this case. Does that make sense? We'll go into it further. To have an indirect statement, you need a word, most often a verb, which connotes thinking, seeing, hearing, feeling, some sort of activity that's processed uh, by your brain, essentially. These are often and quite rightly termed verbs of the head. Never heard this term before until uh, I took um, Latin in college. Uh, it's not really possible to kick that. Um, Never mind. I don't even know what I was saying. So, anyways, verbs of the head. Just bear with me. Anyways, it's not. Um, it's not really possible to just like omit that you want to eat, right? You just, you just kick it out. You have to say that you want to eat or believe. You have to understand. You have to perceive. You have to note, judge, lie, conclude. Uh, consider uh, ye, uh, literally all things which you do with your head, not your feet. And note that English uses that to introduce indirect statement. So, you know how I'm saying that he said that he wanted to eat? That is the subordinate conjunction. It introduces a clause, not the demonstrative adjective or pronoun we've already learned about, a.k.a. in this case, the man who wanted to eat. Consider the following sentence. He said that the man was hungry. The first, that, he said that, is the subordinating conjunction introducing the indirect statement. The second, that, that man is the demonstrative adjective. Makes sense? In place of a that clause, as I would like to call it, you'd find in English, uh, Latin uses an infinitive. So for example, Latin says, I wish her to be a friend, where English can either say, I wish her to be a friend, or I wish that her or rather, I, <laughs> I wish that her is a friend. I wish that she is a friend. <clears throat> Latin can't say the latter. As I was instructed upon another universal law that states, there's no that in Latin. So here's the formula for indirect statement because you guys all know that I like my formulas. Number one, we've got a verb of the head, right? Remember, verbs of the head, very literal. Verbs that we do with our head. Lie, judge, conclude, perceive, conceive. I don't know. Think. Number two, 
an accusative ad, or accusative subject rather i'm sorry and then three add an infinitive verb so for example i wish i wish is going to be the verb of the head right i'm wishing doing with my head it's kind of like a it's a brain activity i wish her accusative subject to be a friend to be the infinitive verb a friend direct object Note the grammatical distinction among this construction, accusative subject plus the infinitive verb, and that, uh, the that, the that development in English has, the that development that English has, which Latin does not have. In the that construction, the subject is nominative and the verb is finite right? For example, I believe he, nominative subject, is, finite verb, a friend. I just changed around the words a little bit, but I wish that she, nominative subject, is, finite verb, a friend, instead of rather to be. It's a straightforward-looking difference, but its outcomes are ever-present and can be uh, far-reaching for sure. To further understand exactly what I mean, let us look at the infinitive construction more and flesh it out a bit more. I believe him to be a friend. So what case would friend be? In Latin, number two, how is it functioning inside its own construction? And then number three, what is friend doing grammatically? Well, basically, it's rechristening him through the verb to be, if that makes sense. So it's a predicate noun. Remember what that is, usually linked between a main subject through a linking verb, i.e. sum esse. Just a bit different in this case. Either way, that means it has to agree with the subject it goes with in case. And the subject here, him, is accusative because it's inside indirect statement. Look at that, a predicate accusative. Who would have thought the possibility? I like to say, or rather like I say, and will always say an homage slash homage to my crappy AP calculus teacher in high school, you are the master of your own universe. Probably the only thing I'll take away from his many isms. Anyways, <clears throat> here's another complication other than the fact that we've been introduced, uh, other than, brain's thinking a little fast right now. Anyways, here's another complication other than the fact that we've been introduced to the concept of a predicate accusative, right? Like participles in infinitive show relative as opposed to absolute time. Therefore, the actual time value of the infinitive depends on the tense of the main verb. Now we get into this a little bit more. So like participles, present infinitives would better be termed contemporaneous. Another term I learned in my studies with my awesome professor, Dr. Damon. Common sense tells you that in the sentence, he needs to do it. The infinitive to do is happening at the same time as the needing 
that's taking place, right? He needs right now to do it right now today, right? Right now. But what if we change the main verb to past tense? He needed to do it, and now it's all taking place in the past, right? So think about it. Yesterday, he needed to do it yesterday. See how this verb is being uh, kind of... Uh, It's very dependent, or the, the main verb uh, kind of, it, it correlates and uh, dictates the infinitive in its tense. Don't know why that took so long for me to say that. So lastly, like in the future, he will need to do it is all in the future. So tomorrow he will need to do it tomorrow just to reiterate those constructions so therefore this means that these alleged present tense infinitives like to do to walk to see etc are not all necessarily taking place in the present they're actually following the tense of the main verb like i said before this is very important to remember and just like perfect participles perfect infinitives show prior action that is action that took place prior to the main verb whatever tense that main verb might be. For example, he claims to have done it. To have done is a perfect infinitive, but the main verb claims is a present tense. It's just is present tense, period. The infinitive to have done, however, is past tense or also known as perfect. Therefore, we deduce that in this sentence, it shows prior action to the main verb. So now, future infinitives like future participles show, show action following the verb. Nice, 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 nice. So the reason I reiterate the word nice is because Latin future infinitives literally generate the nicest, aka nastiest English sentences like she needs about to do it. I'm not kidding. She needs to be about to do it, rather. So in other words, she needs now, which is the present day today, to do it in the future, which is tomorrow. So in English, we avoid this way of saying this construction because our future active infinitive is so unpleasantly periphrastic. One of my very favorite words. <clears throat> but I think you get the concept of relative time in language. The infinitive is happening in the future relative to the main verb. If you make the sentence verb, or rather, if you make the main verb past tense, they needed to be about to do it, meaning they needed in the past yesterday to do it so that it would be done by now, which is today. You can see that that so-called future infinitive is now happening in the past, actually subsequent to the past, which is kind of like between the past and the present, which is really interesting. Uh, but by being past tense, the main verb has dragged it back there. So whenever you're converting thoughts between relative time verb forms, like infinitives and absolute time verb forms, like finite verbs, there's no way around dealing with this sort of time value shift. So when translating a Latin infinitive-based indirect statement into an English finite verb-based that clause, you'll need to 
you, or you'll have to supervise the verb tenses very properly and accordingly. <clears throat> Number one, if you're moving from Latin to English, you'll have to convert relative time to absolute time. Must remember this. Number two, in opposition, if you're turning an English sentence into Latin, you'll have to translate absolute time into relative time. Let's stop and sum up exactly what indirect statement entails fully. You know, I like formulas. Yet again, plugging and chugging problems were my jam in physics, if you guys know what I mean. So first, we take out that. There is no that in Latin. Second, turn the subject, which is nominative in English, but it's attached to a finite verb, into a accusative an accusative in Latin. I almost did a stupid little grammar mistake right there. Because now it's associated with an infinitive. And infinitives take accusative, not nominative subjects. So third, make that finite verb an infinitive and be careful with the tense. So let's look at an example to solidify any lagging concepts here. So we're in English... We say, I will demonstrate that he, the nominative subject, is, finite verb, an idiot. Latin will say, I will demonstrate him, accusative subject, to be, infinitive verb, an idiot. As weird and tricky as it may look delineate, delineating between the two, you actually know how to do this. You wouldn't be able to speak and understand English otherwise, actually. In fact... I was most confused by the word contemporaneous when I was dealing with the indirect statement and learning all this time shift value and absolute time and relative time and all that good stuff. So let's look at a sentence here real quick. I consider him to be my enemy. <clears throat> now say that same thing, but use that. I consider that. I consider that what? I consider that he is my enemy. Pretty painless, nah? Um, the... English verb consider slides smoothly back and forth between an accusative infinitive and a that clause. So does believe. I believe him to be my friend. Rephrase the sentence with that. I believed that he was my friend. Was. Be careful. Because making the main verb past tense draws the infinitive into the past Right? Remember, relative versus absolute time, but note how easily the shift came for you. That's because you know how to do it, right? That's just keeping the right tenses, right? You don't want to say something in the past and the future and the present all in the same freaking sentence or you sound like you're stupid. So you really just have to be aware here of what you already do naturally, okay? So you're only learning what you already know. And I, that's what I really love to show students here, especially with the indirect statement and how it can be this convoluted mess when you're first learning it. So here I'll show you another. So take an English sentence like, I believe that Liam is a demon teacher in human likeness. Or, or yeah, to human likeness. So change it to the way Latin would say the same thing. That is, use an infinitive. That's right. I believe Liam to be a demon in human likeness. And note that Liam, that's me, by the way, here would be accusative in Latin. 
Ha, it's a bit clunky since we are in English not used to uh, using something being said in that respect, but we always can, right? It's just not the way we say it, but we could say it that way if we wanted to. And Romans did say it that way all the time whenever they used any of their verbs of the head. Remember what that is? We can do it easily with, our, with consider, believe, less so with claim, and never with saying or to say. You're going to have to extend what you naturally do with consider and believe to all verbs of the head, though. So it's that simple and that hard. But practice and repetition will help you hone in your abilities to delineate between the different constructions, verbs, in way in which we can express a statement indirectly. To cap out this lesson, let's remember there are going to be nine possibilities for these type of indirect constructions, right? Because the main verb can be present, past, or future, and the infinitive can be present, perfect, or future. All in either the, uh, or present, past, and future, yeah. <laughs> there we go. So, that is going to be closing out our chapter. I have nothing left to say on the indirect statement. I hope that you guys have stuck with me uh, for this finite amount of time, uh, which I don't know how long it's been going for, but hopefully not too long. And I hope that you learned a lot. So, appreciate you all. Um, Tempest Estesquetere, and as you peace on out of here, don't forget to hop on to Apple Podcasts, scroll all the way to the bottom of Latin and Layman's, leave your boy a five-star review, maybe a little nice little blurb or something like that, maybe maybe a little constructive criticism, but still leave a five-star rating because I need that algorithm in my favor, please. And that's all I have to say. So thanks very much, y'all. Much love.